You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Ready to uh, talk some Cowboys football. Let's get into it. Yeah, coming up on today's show, Landon and I talk about some of the Cowboys' recent coaching and front office moves. We talk a little bit about Malik Collins and his fit on the Cowboys' defensive line. And, of course, we answer your Twitter questions, so let's dive right into it. It's been a busy week for the Cowboys, despite not playing a game last weekend. Uh, they lost their special teams coach in Rich Passaccia to the Raiders. Wide receiver coach Derek Dooley left to be the offensive coordinator at Missouri. Secondary coach Joe Baker will not return. Quarterback uh, coach Wade Wilson will not return. And we've also heard some rumblings that uh, offensive line coach Frank Pollock will not be back. Uh, that's not official. I know uh, NFL Series' Alex uh, Marvez reported that today. Uh, I'm sure that's going to come out here in the next couple days. And it was also reported today that running back coach Gary Brown uh, is interviewing for the job with the Raiders at the same position. Uh, he has a his contract expired. We'll see what happens with him. So instead of breaking all these down individually, and we could go on hours for that, let's talk about the big picture for a moment. What do all of these moves in the coaching staff mean for the Cowboys uh, going forward? And their current coaching staff, does it it change what you think about Jason Garrett and Lenahan and Marinelli? Uh, Why so much change in one offseason? Well, I I mean, I think that I I think the part of it is that uh, you know, if you know, I, I think part of it could be that whole situation where you know how you, when you give the head coaches um, like just enough rope to hang themselves, <laughs> like it could right. be, it could be that they're that they're doing that with Linehan, and, and and they're basically saying, okay, uh, you know, you, you kind of inherited all these position coaches, and not that you know any of them are bad or anything. They all got seem to be walking away to get decent jobs at least or maybe not necessarily we don't really know what's going on with Pollock but um, I just think that you know the uh, the opportunity there could be a little bit of that where they're they're you know Linehan may be actually lobbying for the opportunity to uh, get his guys in there and you know some of that could be um, in du- direct result of you know uh Oh, I just had a stroke. The, the the guy from the wide receiver coach who just left. I can't Dooley. It, 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 so, Dooley some of that yep. could have been you know due to Dooley's um, you know lobbying for for some more power and and maybe you know there was maybe it was more than just Dooley uh, you know wanting to to bid for more power. Maybe there was actually conflict there, and, and so maybe uh, part of that was Linehan saying, "No, I think it's time to move on. I don't want to bring my own guys." So. Um, it, it does seem like a lot of specifically offensive positional coaches that are changing, but you know, I guess if, for people that wanted some shakeup on the offense, I think this will do that to a certain degree. I mean, these guys are the guys who these coach these players deal with on a day to day basis. They're the ones they're in the rooms with most of the time. Um, so it's it's going to change things up a little bit on the offense while still kind of operating still in the same sort of similar structure. It's really just about. 
you know who they get into some of these spots and we you know we can talk about the individual coaching spots as we go all right let's talk about one of those right now and then then we'll move on uh, I want to ask you about Frank Pollock because you were at training camp this year you watched Pollock pretty closely uh during this off season is it fair to say that you were less than impressed with Pollock can you dive into that a little bit more for us uh, you know this this you know pro- when this all came out we, you and a group of us, kind of were discussing it on Twitter, and um, and we talked about you know Frank Pollock, and I and I, I feel like, you know, offensive line coach is, is a very uh, misunderstood position, and I'm not even necessarily pretending to understand it, but um, I feel like. You know, when 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 the news broke on that, I didn't, I wasn't on Twitter, and I I haven't you know been checking it as much obviously lately. But I, I'm sure that there was it, it ignited uh, some fury or or, or, or some, some people. Oh, there was off- backlash. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. people were upset. I'm sure, because offensive they see offensive line coach and they see replacement and they think that you know oh what what's going on? No, no, no. I mean, they just assume that Frank Pollock is this fantastic coach. And and look, and I'm not I'm not coming here to say that he isn't that, but let's remember. Um, what Frank Pollock was. I mean, you know, for everyone that's going to be upset about uh, them grooming uh, 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 more to be the quarterback coach, or them grooming um, uh, the the defensive line coaches, or, or them grooming Mark Colombo potentially to be an offensive line coach, you know, Frank Pollock himself like, was, was. I like Colombo. Yeah, I mean, Frank Pollock himself was a was a uh, you know a guy that that. Was an offensive lineman convert that became a, a, a assistant for his former offensive line coach in Callahan, and so Cal- he was Callahan's kind of you know understudy for a long time, and that's how he obviously ended up here. Is is because after working with Alex Gibbs in in, in Houston, he moved over here. I, I don't want to get all to that, but 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 the long story short is that in the end, Callahan was uh, you know while he was here was was operating in a larger role. On the offensive line, uh, than the offensive line, he's a lot larger role in the offense and, and kind of being sort of the runs are in that in that particular last few years that he was here, and, and the day to day was being run by Pollock, and he and I feel like that was kind of what he was best at doing is is kind of you know being running the drills and that sort of thing, and I noticed that when Callahan left, it felt like he had kind of taken on that Callahan role of except without being, you know, maybe as good as a run play designer as Callahan was. Um I just don't think he's a teacher. He's not the teacher that Callahan is. I just I and I think he's you know, I, I, I think that he's a good teacher. I, I just wonder if my thing is that I, I wonder if he actually has the the same eye for talent that Callahan had. Like, I think, cause I think that's really where, you, you know, especially at offensive line, I, I, I wonder if they don't overly rely on uh, the offensive line coaches. And I'm not talking about them. I talk about league wide because it's such a kind of, you know, particular job that doesn't seem, you know, to, to a lot of people seems like a, just a different craft than the rest of the game. You know, it's that I wonder if, if, if there isn't a lot more reliance on what the offensive line coach sees and that sort of thing. Cause look, I mean, obviously the Chaz green, you have to look at what happened with Chaz green. You have to look at them think looking at the whole offensive line situation and being, you know, relatively okay with it because we were okay with what we saw, but they saw a lot more of what 
was going on in practice and that sort of thing. So, sure. uh, you know, I just wonder if, especially now, if they're thinking about doing more of a of a kind of incorporating more you know power and man concepts in the run game that Pollock didn't just become a situation where he was it's just it the, the job had outgrown him and they they actually need to go out and get maybe a more seasoned uh uh coach because you know look and they may end up getting Mark Colombo in there I'm not gonna love that necessarily because I, I feel like I just feel like they they would thrive better with with a guy in there that is more of a uh, you know more of a seasoned guy, a guy that but can I don't think they're going to take a big step down though. I don't think with if Colombo is named the the offensive line coach, I don't think you're going to see them decreasing in their play. I think they're going to be about the same as what we saw last year, right? I mean, I don't know who's who's even playing offensive line next year. Like I, I mean, like I mean, you probably have the four guys that are going to be back. I mean, we—it's just the left guard spot that we got to figure out. Yeah, and so, but I mean, I think that that's that's a big part of it, and I think that that didn't ever get resolved last year. You know, I, I know a lot of people are taking like victory laps about like Cooper <laughs> finishing the year and Cooper, but Cooper and Green were both bad. Like, like that's like. They're both, Cooper might just have had, Cooper might have had less bad moments. Yeah, if that makes uh, yeah, sense. but 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 that doesn't mean that Cooper is the solution. Like no, you know, no. Like, and, and Cooper, that's the thing is that uh, I think that the whole thing for you know Green you know pushers is that you know the idea is that we thought that Green had upside, Green could get there and then continue to grow there, but he could never get there. Cooper was just never got never going to be the long term answer as far as I'm concerned. Like he's. His best bet is to be that interior swing guy. I'd love for him to stay on as that. Yeah, it's a great role but, for him. Uh, you know. Anyways, I, I just feel like coaching is. You know, when I saw him at training camp, it, it, it seemed like he was doing less of the hands-on stuff, and that was more what Colombo was doing. Um, and so, and, and maybe I'm being totally wrong about this, but to me, it, when when I saw that uh, Pollock was gone. You know, I don't just automatically assume that like it's that, that he can't be upgraded. I, I don't automatically assume that he's necessarily guru. He, I mean, I understand that he he taught he you know he was coached by Alex Gibbs and, and Bill Callahan, who are two of the greatest offensive line coaches ever. But that doesn't necessarily make him the greatest coach. So, uh, right. you know, I'll be interested to see who they replace him with. All right, one more note uh, about the Cowboys' front office. Uh, it was announced on Wednesday that Will McClay declined his interview with the his hometown Houston Texans, and that's big because if he was ever going to leave for a job, this was probably it. They had a opening at, at their general manager spot. He's got family in Houston, and it, I think it says a lot that he even declined to go on the interview. Um, I, I think... For me, Will McClay has been the difference in building this team. Now, he hasn't been perfect, and no GM is perfect, but I think he is finding the right type of guys to bring in. It seems like he's casted a bigger net with some of these um, you know, guys that maybe have some issues off the field or don't fit certain schemes, and they found players that play in the scheme. I mean, a perfect example, I mean, we can talk about David Irving, but Dayton Jones is a great example of somebody who did not fit a bunch of different schemes, um, and McClay brought him in this year, and I think he played pretty well over the last few weeks of the season, and that's a guy that maybe factors into their defensive line next year. Uh, I just really like what McClay is doing with this roster. Um, any quick thoughts on McClay staying in Dallas? It was kind of it was kind of funny, wasn't it? Like how 
you know, the news came out that, you know, early that he was that he was going to return. And then, you know, Brian brought us some people that are actually close to, you know, McClay were kind of coming out and say, well, no, 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 no. I mean, this, you know, this, this isn't exactly official yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then, you know, like, oh, like, and it's like, oh, he hasn't even got the invitation yet. No, 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 no. And then it was it's like, like two kids <laughs> flirting. It's a, no, 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 nobody no. wanted to make a move. Well, then, but then, <laughs> and then when one of them finally did ask the other one, they, they gave them a prompt no. Like, it was like, that's the funny part about it is that it was like, it was like, okay, Houston's called up. Hey, Will McClay, we wonder if you'd like to. No, I'm I'm not interested. Thank you very much. I mean, he spent like a whole uh, week going. Oh, we never received a phone call. We never received. They get the phone. No, I, I no, I do not want that. Thank you very much. Like it was just, it was just very funny. Like I mean, it's it's not that he handled it properly. It's just the way that comical. came out. It's yeah. just, it was comical because like it was just the the news got rolled out in a funny way. But I, I think. I think you kind of nailed it. Like the the strength of Will McClay, the the two things in my mind when I think about Will McClay and the strength that he brings is uh, what you mentioned: the ability to find talent in a crazy wide variety of venues. You know, like I mean, just sure. to, to be able to uh, to and to be willing to be open minded to accept talent um, from anywhere and find it to look to find it anywhere. Uh, and and to I grind like that. He, I like that he's willing to, to go back. Guys. I was gonna say I like how he's willing to go back and take talented players and give them a second chance because yeah. Dayton Jones is the guy that went in the first round and bounced around, found him the right spot, and who knows what'll be in Dallas, but that's a guy that gave you valuable snaps this year. Yeah, and under- understands that guys that had value once, you know, can have value again if if put in the right situation. And that situations matter. And that was the second part of what I was gonna say is his skill, uh because of his experience and his background as a coach, his ability to interface with the coaching system with the coaching staff and with the understanding of the system and, and and dealing with the coaches and, and getting the players that fit the scheme correctly, uh, you know, that's, that's that's a lot what we hear about. Uh, I mean, we don't have obviously the firsthand experience with that, but we, we hear a lot about his ability to, you know, deal with the coaches, find out what they want, really get in their heads. And obviously for, coming from a coaching you know perspective himself, uh, be able to communicate on a level that, that uh, you know, it works. It's beneficial for everybody. Right. Um, let's pause for a second. I, we, I've got a really interesting question to talk about with Malik Collins, but let's pause so I can tell you guys about my bookie. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And again, this is one of my favorite weekends of the year, divisional round of the playoffs. It's always fun. So that's why I'm telling everybody to go to mybookie.ag. My bookie has been in the business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. And they have the fastest payouts, just two business days. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. And that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. If you join now, my bookie will match your deposit with an up to 100% bonus. Just use promo code Locked On to activate that offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Take the Steelers minus seven over Jacksonville this week. All right, let's go ahead and jump into one one big question and topic that I've been seeing going around on Twitter the last couple of days, and that's the Cowboys' defensive line. Uh, we know what their ends are probably going to look like next year. We don't really know about defensive tackle. There's been some things going on there about David Irving. He is a restricted free agent. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, I'm convinced that he's going to get a second-round tender and be back. 
But the question I have for you is, is regarding Malik Collins. Uh, as a rookie, he put up fantastic stats. I believe he had five sacks his rookie season. Only six other defensive tackles uh, have ever recorded more sacks before their 22nd birthday. Uh, he did not play as well this year. He played a lot of the one technique this year as they had a bunch of injuries at that spot. So my question to you, Landon, is what is his best spot and where do you anticipate the Cowboys playing him next season? Because where he fits into this defense will likely determine where they go in the draft. Because if he's a three technique, I wouldn't be surprised to see them pull the trigger on a one technique in the top 100 picks. But if they believe he's a one technique, they might need to get another three technique on this roster um, if David Irving is not part of the long-term plan. So give me your thoughts on Malik Collins. First off, first off, real quick. Let me, without looking, it, it, how many games out of the 32 games that he's played in his, uh, he's been eligible to play in his career, how many games do you think Malik Collins uh, has played in? Is it 32? It has is, he missed one yet? It is 32, which is really crazy if you think about how much injury this guy has dealt with. He's a tough guy. In the last two years. <sighs> Look, I think, um, you know, it's funny because I, I may have, I may have like worked myself around the bend a little bit on this um, because you and I had discussed and had a conversation about one thing, and 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 now, uh, you know, because I haven't really been thinking about this stuff as much, Marcus. But now that I'm thinking about it a little it's bit, because you're retired, you're enjoying the beach, enjoying the nice weather. So 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 to pull the curtain back a little bit. Marcus and I had a conversation before before this whole whole thing started. We were discussing the whole you know Malik Collins situation and and where he best plays. And you know, to me, it's always been the three technique. It's you know, it's he's a penetrator. He's a um, he's a guy that is good on the move. He's got incredible hips. Like he's he really is good. good at, he's got yeah. So which I mean, it makes him a, a bit, uh, able to get off the ball quickly and then to kind of get skinny through holes and 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 uh, through holes. I mean through gaps and to to penetrate through the offensive line and get in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, due to be, you know just sheer injury in luck and and just ravished at the position at defensive tackle. He ended up playing a lot of one technique this year. In fact, he's probably ended up playing one technique. I would say what the whole second half of the of the year, right? Yeah, at least, yeah. Um, you know, and I don't I, think he played well there. I, I really don't. No, I, I don't I, think I don't, that's I don't his think, best I don't think so all. either. And, and and I can understand that because, but I also think that we haven't seen. And here's here's where I, I just kind of may have come around a little bit on this. We have also haven't seen him prepare to play one technique before. So uh, maybe there's something that they've seen in his game on tape that thinks, okay, what if we put 10 more pounds on Malik? You know, just gave but him. But then you're taking away his best part of his game, though, because he's a quick guy that can penetrate. I, see, I, I don't know that you necessarily are, though, Marcus, because I think that, I think that you, he can add 10 more pounds on, on his, I, I, you know, he's six two, I, but I that's think, what happened when he was playing at Nebraska. Though he got too heavy, and he was nowhere near the same player. His effort and his motor level dropped completely off when he. I think it was his junior year, where he was asked to play more of a nose tackle. He just didn't play very well there. Yeah, I, I but I also think that there's a difference between him being, 
the playing 60 snaps at 310 pounds, trying to play three technique in the uh, in the Big Ten, where you're basically going against other 320 pound guards all day, and doing that at you know maybe let's say 40 snaps uh, at you know, at the NFL as uh, definitely a much more of a grown man. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree overall that, that I, I'm tr- at this point, I'm trying to make sense, a little more sense of it because I think I agree that three technique could be a spot. I think that the caveat I'm, I'm just adding on right now is that, you know, maybe if they gave him an off season to work at it, the the problem is is that I think he's fantastic when they're passing the ball and he he can play like I don't have a problem with him rushing the passer from that gap you know what I'm saying right. like I don't have a problem with him go going against the going between the guard and the center uh, you know because I've seen him actually do well there like you know what I'm saying like I, I've seen him beat the guys inside and guards and centers on uh, off the snap and and you know disrupt before I've seen that what I've also seen though what you've also seen is on run plays, he gets double teams and, and he's not protecting the linebackers. He's getting pushed off the ball. Um, and that's a concern. So if they could find a way to limit his, you know, early down snaps, or I don't know what that is. I don't have a problem with him necessarily playing the one technique. And, you know, because I do like the idea of Collins and Irving as a defensive tackle pairing. And and here's the other part that I'll add in. The reason I looked at the, the, uh, the injury, the, the game started situation and the game played situation is because mm-hmm. he has been injured a lot and including this, almost this entire year. In fact, this entire year. I mean, he just had surgery, right? And they're all foot injuries, I yeah. believe, right? And that's the, and that's I the think thing. he so, broke his foot last yeah. year. He has a stress well, reaction and, and this he year. Had, he had five sacks despite basically missing the entire preseason and right. the entire training camp. Or I mean, he, he was there for like the back end, if I think, if I remember. But but I mean, like you know. So my point is, is that I, I we haven't really. I feel like there's a lot of unknown with Collins where people feel like even though he's played a lot of games, like he's played a couple different positions. He's played hurt for almost the entire second season. And the first season, he didn't even get a training camp. So I, I don't know. It's tough because for people like me who and others who have, you know, touted him heavily, it's because we've seen it before in like training camp and, and you know, in times when he's healthy, like he's. He's looked good at times, uh, really good right. as a three. It's like you know, definitely starter level on the defense that focus on is, focuses on a three technique, starter level three technique. You know, so uh, the question is, and, and here's the other thing. Again, he's 22 years old now. Right yeah, now, he's, he's 22 years yep. old. So, uh, I mean, like he still could well, he, have a, a lot more of uh, growing to go to do. We don't really know, like. He's there's a lot of unknown there, and I guess that's the problem. Is that that's a problem for the Cowboys because I feel like there's talent there, but how do you plan for the future when you don't really know what this guy's gonna do? You know what I'm and, saying? And here's my question. And here's my question for the Cowboys long term. And this is something I would like to figure out this off season. Let, let's just take Irving out of the picture for a minute. I think you have Let, to. It, I kind of that's the other thing yeah, I was gonna it, say is I think you kind of have to because. I don't know. I mean, be, be, the crazy thing is that between these two guys, you thought you think you could get a healthy three technique, but but I don't know that you. I don't know that you can. Like because I mean, well, that just, and Tyrone Crawford too, who I, who apparently doesn't want to play that position anymore. I mean, you paid him to play that position. Well, but I, I listen. Tyrone Crawford's a different conversation. Let's have that separately because he's a defensive end. 
And I, and I think, I but think they paid him to play that three positions. What I'm saying, but, uh, you know, okay. they paid him that nine million dollars a year now. to play that like, position. I don't know. Yeah, like, that, I mean, and that's fine. That's yeah, fine. Like, I, we gotta just, we can't do anything about that. So, I'm, we're getting good value at him at strong side defensive end. I'm good. I mean, I'm almost even good with the money that he's being paid. So, I just you know, not nine million, but you know, what I'm saying I'm, I'm as good right, as right. Uh, with him. He's as a quality I've player. All. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk but about my but, question. But, but, but going back to the other thing, yeah. Okay. My my question is, let's say you want to invest a, a first round pick on a defensive tackle uh, this draft, and maybe maybe both a dominating three technique or a dominating one technique are sitting there. Are you better off with Collins Collins playing the three and drafting a one, or are you better off having Collins play the one and drafting a three? That, that's exactly, that's what I want to know. That's terrible. That's what that's what. Yeah, exactly. We need to know because. And 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 maybe and what I what I'm afraid of is that they'll let the draft or the results dictate the the solution. Yes, for is that they'll yes they'll you know oh well we drafted this we drafted uh, let's say Maurice Hurst you know at mm-hmm. 19 from Michigan from Michigan yep. and um and Which okay, I'd be fine with he's so, a great player and, and now we put Collins or we drafted what's the kid from Clemson. Um, I like uh, that kid a lot. I, uh, yeah, I, we'll we'll get the names. Yeah, on anyways, here. The, we're yeah, still in there, our field. There's stuff. some good yep. three techniques that, that are like first round pick worthy, but there's also some uh, uh, a at least one good one technique. Uh, oh, I think two that Deron Payne from Alabama, Alabama too. Can, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Vita Via Vea uh, is is I think obviously worth it. So the, the, again, I think I understand because those are the probably the more elite talents, even over Malik Collins and Irving. That, 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 that would dictate the the slotting there, but I, I think that that's not necessarily doing. That's not getting the best out of Malik Collins. Not that that necessarily is ultimately the ultimate goal. You're trying to get talent in a bunch of different positions, but it, uh, as far as the endeavor of trying to get the most out of Malik Collins, you know, I think he can probably do like I, you know, we we given you the scouting report. I think he could probably get a little bit better at taking on double teams, but that he probably is what he is there. He's more of a penetrator, and so that to right. me screams more like a three technique. But you can't have enough of those pass rushing three techniques, so. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Rod, Rod will come up with something. And hey, the, the other thing is, if Collins doesn't work out as a one technique, I, I think they like Brian Price a little bit, assuming he can come back healthy. I, that's I a do. Guy that you, yeah, you have to at least remember a little bit for next year. And, and um, what's we need the, to you get, just said, what's his name is back? Uh, 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 Dante Jones. Like They liked him a lot, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Clearly at but one he, he's, so. a, he, he, he's another 265-pound yeah. Defense tackle. Yeah, and, we'll see what happens. And our there. buddy uh, hasn't retired yet. I don't think. As no, Stephen Pia is not a, official. Yeah, Pia nope, is not, not officially retired yet. So, all, lots of options right. there. We need to get to one Twitter question at least on this Twitter Thursday. This one's going to talk a little bit about the defensive line. It kind of ties right in there. Uh, from at Moral Polls, do the Cowboys value David Irving and do they want him here long term? Now, I know that's a tough question. Um, I, I think it depends on who you ask. Uh, Rod Marinelli absolutely loves David Irving, and David Irving lo- loves Marinelli, and I think that's a, a reason why he wants to stick around. Um, I'm not sure what the front office thinks of David Irving, but what do you feel like the Cowboys are going to do with Irving this year and into the future? Irving is, I mean, they could do salary cap studies on guys like David Irving. 
right? Like, mm. I mean, he is yes. just such an enigma to figure out, like, what you want to do with him. I mean, God, just oozing with talent. Every time you put him on the field when he's healthy, he is a destroyer of worlds. He's a star. And, yes. and, um, and you know, and, and it's not hard to see. I mean, you look at the physicality, you look at the testing, you look at, you know, his, you just look at him. It's not hard to see that he's like that. Now, he's talk, 24. Now, yeah. He's 24. He's and he's every bit of 24 years old. He's not like Malik Collins, 22. He's uh, he's mm. David Irving, 24, which is not nearly as reliable. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think it's, he's a, it's a nice way to put it. Well, I, it's, listen, I don't think he's a bad kid. Like I, he's had, but he I think he's 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 managed to put himself in situations where he he's gotten in trouble before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's also, you know been uh, you know in situations i think he needs not, to be with rod not, he, not outside the law where he needs they, to, where right he, i think he so. i think he needs to stay with rod no matter what even if he has to take less money i think he would just be smart to stay around yeah, rod in but, this organization but again if that makes sense yeah that that's a that's important but i also i mean you you take that you take the concussion thing which is scary um yeah, you take absolutely. the the you know the kind of other sort of injury stuff he's had. He's already been suspended once for PEDs. It's not that I, you know, and that was kind of a misunderstanding. We all know, but but I mean, again, it's like I, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I've been a Dallas Cowboys fan for a long time. I I can't tell you how many times I've been on shows like this, and I've talked to guy, about guys like David Irving, where it's always something. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, and so, and I've been the guy defending those always something guys. But you know what? I'm retired, and so I'm not doing that anymore. And so, um, <laughs> it's uh, to me, I understand. Like, if if it's always something with these guys, even if you can't put your finger on what it is, it it it, it to me it it affects the value. So that's why I think he is he's worth something. He is definitely worth keeping on the team. But I mean, he's also going to want a, a lot of money at some point, uh, and you got to understand. You got to you be comfortable with what you're getting all the time when you pay him that kind of money. But my thing is, if you believe he's a good kid and you believe that he's not going to be a guy that gets into trouble off the field, and it's just some maturity things that you think he's going to grow out of, that's the guy I'm not letting leave because there's only a handful of players like him in the entire NFL. So you've got one and you've got another guy that I really love. And I mean, we both love him, Demarcus Lawrence. If you think that he is going to be able to outgrow some of these issues, I don't care what the price is. He's staying on this roster. If it was up to me. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think that that's, uh, it's tough because I, I think that he still is not a guy that you can rely to play 60 snaps a game, you know, like for 16 games. But I don't need, but I don't need him to play that. I, I need him to be healthy for 12. I, I know, and I know, but, but, but if you're paying a guy like as much money, like you need to get a, a, an ROI on this, like, you know, like, and I understand that. Sure. So, and I, and, and if he can produce, you know, and he almost did, if he can produce at the level he has been, like if we talking about a guy who can manage to get 10 sacks a season on, on, you know, 35 to 40 snaps a game, then I'll pay whatever he wants. But like, right. you know, after that, like if once that production dips a little bit, um, and he's only still only able to play thirty to forty snaps. Like that doesn't increase, even though his production is dipped. That suddenly makes all, all the money that you've you've invested in the guy not worth it. 
So that's that scares me a little bit. You know, like I, 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 that's the difference between him and Lawrence to me is that, and, and it's not that I, I'm not saying that he's not worth it. I'm just saying that affects the value to me. That that affects oh, like sure, the sure. my willingness to to invest him. You know, like that's all they do to consider. That's all. All right, that's it for today's show. Sorry that we didn't get to more of your questions. Maybe we'll answer some more tomorrow. But thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and download to the podcast on iTunes. You can follow Landon at McCoolBTB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.